0: My name is Winston Wolf and you're listening to Pushing Upstream. I was born in 1979 in the Midwest and adopted eight days later. Now at almost 39 years old, I've begun the search for my birth family and I started this podcast to document my experiences. I invite you to join me on my journey. Today is June 22nd, 2018. This is episode 01. The day after I recorded the pilot episode, number 00, there was an article that was posted by Kurt Erickson of the St. Louis Post Dispatch. And, you know, this could not have come at a more perfect timing, in my opinion. The name of the article is Long Wait for adoptees seeking birth records in Missouri. Essentially, whenever the law went into enactment on the 1st of January for those over the age of 18, people were warned that the wait period could be between three to six months. However, it looks like considering the number of requests they received, which they didn't anticipate, apparently the wait time has actually been extended to nearly nine months. Now, I personally have not been able to submit my form yet. I still plan to, but it looks like I'm going to need to plan for a wait period of probably up to about a year. Needless to say, this is a little disappointing. According to the article, it looks like 848 people have been provided with either a copy of their original birth certificate or notified that the agency did not have a record on file for them. This is something I'm kind of worried about. Not necessarily that they won't have a record. That would be disappointing in and of itself. But also to find out that information may have been redacted. As I said in the previous episode, there is a form you can submit if you are a birth parent. If you decide you don't want that information divulged. And the way I understand that it works is if both parents fill that form out, the record is completely unavailable. If only one of them fills out that form, then essentially you would get a record that has that information marked out. But to be honest, even if I'm not able to get any sort of document, anything that shows any information about either one of my birth parents, no matter what the outcome is going to be, I plan on submitting it anyway and basically planning for probably up to about a year to get anything back, as I said. In the meantime, however, there are plenty of other things I can be doing. I can be searching online. I can also submit my DNA, for example, through Ancestry.com or through 23andMe.com. Since I released the pilot episode about four days ago, I have joined all kinds of Facebook groups for people who are essentially quote unquote adopted in searching. I know that's actually the name of one of them. There's several different groups like this too. And I'm seeing stories pop up by the hour from people who are getting results back. People who have had results and have tried contacting the people that it says that they're connected to both positive and negative. I'm seeing things where it almost seemed as if the birth families were simply waiting to be found and accepted their long-lost child, (laughs) now an adult, with open arms. This is kind of what I'm hoping for, maybe. Meanwhile, other people are finding it very difficult to contact their birth family, some of whom are saying things like, you know, we've come to terms with what we've done and moved on, and we don't really want to talk. This is heartbreaking to me. People who are on this journey of self-discovery and to find out where they came from and to see what kind of people they came from. And are being rejected. I've even seen cases where people are contacting half siblings they never knew they even had and are very easily able to talk to some of them, but whenever they try to talk to the actual birth parent are being rejected. Now, the thing with Ancestry.com, just to kind of talk about that for a minute, this is something I'm actually kind of excited about because even if I don't find anybody, I can still get some information about my genetic health background, which is very important to me and, uh, you know, and important to me for my son. But essentially, for about $100 from Ancestry, you can order a DNA kit and, you know, just comes with, to my knowledge, when you receive the kit, it comes with a kind of tube and you, you know, fill it up with some saliva and that's it. You just send it off and wait for about a month, two months, something like that for your results. Same thing with 23andme.com. And both of these services offer family genetic testing, which basically it'll show you who genetically that you're linked to. If the people that it says you're linked to have decided to make it public and make themselves able to be contacted with 23andme.com, however, not only do you get that and not only like ancestry, do you get the ethnic background test which, by the way, I understand should kind of be taken with a grain of salt because it's not perfect. But they also offer a service for $199, which provides that information, but also gives you your genetic health background. And like I said, this is important to me, for me and my son, because, you know, I know nothing about my genetic background, obviously. And my son only has half of the information that he needs, which is on his mother's side, of course. Now, granted, I've... Not really ever been terribly sick, aside from just the normal sicknesses people get on and off. But, you know, for example, I've never had to go spend the night in hospital. I've never had a surgery. I've never broken a bone. I don't even wear glasses. But who's to say that somewhere down on my birth father's side, they don't have a history of early 40s heart attacks or anything like that? I need to know what it is I'm up against. And of course, aside from being able to get those services, those Two places, Ancestry and 23andMe.com, they also offer you the ability to download essentially the raw data on your DNA. And then once you've got that, you can upload it to other databases that people upload that information to. For example, MyHeritage.com, GEDMatch.com, FTDNA, which is also Family Tree DNA, and Prometheus. I understand that Prometheus actually has a huge breakdown that they can give you on a lot of information about your DNA I'm interested in submitting to all of these you got to set those trot lines another really useful resource I thought I found actually was on a website called adoption com. and I actually found that one by uh, simply googling adoption database for Missouri That's really it. And there's all kinds of listings. And when you go in there, again, it's gonna be one of those things where it completely relies on the people you're looking for having gone there and paid to make an entry. I think it's like ten dollars and you can make an entry saying, for example, you know, I'm a birth mother and I'm looking for an adoptee who was born on this date in this county, in this city, in this state. On this, you know, and you can tell at the hospital, you can tell at the adoption agency that was involved. And on that particular website, I found an entry that was very, very similar to mine. So much so that I thought, you know what? Even though there's this one piece of information of all of the available information on this entry that's incorrect, I'm still going to go ahead and take a look. I'm going to go ahead and see what I can find out. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that, but not on this episode. But to sum up, essentially, everything on that entry that I found was on par with what I expected to find, except the birth date was wrong. Now, I almost didn't even look at this entry. But then after reading article after article after article on advice for people who are on this journey and on this search in particular, the one thing they said was even if. Some information is incorrect. If your gut tells you that it's worth looking into, don't pass it up. Look into it. So I did. And again, I'm going to save that for a different episode because that was an interesting experience. It was the first contact I made. And while it was a little bit of a letdown at the same time, I can't help but wonder if this is not just kind of part of the process for a lot of people. I'm sure it is. I don't have to really wonder. I'm sure that it is. I know that it is. Lots of false positives. Lots of getting not only your hopes up, but the person you're contacting, getting their hopes up too, and having to apologize for that, and then wishing each other better luck next time. Now, one thing I will talk about in the last episode, I mentioned several different things that I had wondered over the years. For example, are they still alive? Um, Are they looking for me? You know, have I met them and not even known it? That one in particular, that last one about having met them and not known it, there was something that happened to me about 18 years ago when I worked at a, a camera store. There was a woman and her daughter who must have been probably five years younger than me or so who came into the store looking for a camera for the young girl. And so, of course, I helped these folks out showed him a lot of the you know the point and shoot cameras and I think she might have been interested in one of the Olympus models the more I was looking at her and thought to myself she could be my sister this girl could be my sister she looks like I'm looking into a mirror at a female version of myself I can't be the only person that's had that experience where they're looking around at people and they look and they find somebody and just kind of look them right in the face and go my god You know, and how do you approach that? How do you go, you know, did you by chance have a child that you adopted out in 1979? How do you drop that? (laughs) You don't. That's, you know, there's no socially acceptable way to just stumble into that conversation like nice weather, huh? Did you ever adopt a kid out? (laughs) It just doesn't work that way. So I just kind of had to stand there and I helped them just fine. I, I I sold her a camera. But... I never saw them again to my knowledge. I I just, I've never had that experience with anybody else to look at somebody and go, I wonder, you know, there's enough similarities in physical appearance that I wonder now, of course, here we are in 2018 and it's so easy to do a DNA test now to, and, and, you know, throw that data into a database to see who links up to you. How much would that have cost 18 years ago? I don't even know. Probably pretty expensive. I don't even think the technology was nearly up to par then as it is now, just as with, you know, of course, any other technology. So we really do live in the future, (laughs) so to speak. So, yeah, you know, that was a unique experience that I wasn't sure how to describe. I wasn't sure how to share um, over the years. It's just been one of those things. But it is what it is. This afternoon, on one of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of for adoptees who are searching or family members looking for other family members, there was someone on here who wrote, as if they were speaking to their birth child, a post on their 40th birthday. Now, I won't read the whole thing, but I do want to read a couple of highlights, and I think you'll like where this ended. She said, you are 40 today. I don't want to interrupt your life. I don't want to upset you. I only want to know that you are okay. I was very young when you were born. I wanted to keep you, but couldn't. The reasons seem trivial now, now that I'm older and wiser and not so naive. Do I blame my mother who told me I couldn't come home if I brought you with me? No, I should have been braver. I should have been stronger. But I wanted you to have a life, a home, a family. Not what I had, a turmoil. You came early, very early. You only weighed one pound and 15 ounces, but you were beautiful. You were a screamer and you were mine. I always worried that you had health issues because you were so small. I hope not. I pray not. You are mine. So I know you're a fighter. So if you're looking, I'm here. If you're looking, I'm not ashamed. If you're looking, you have family who know about you who care about you, who want to know you. If you're looking, find me. And then further down, she says, I wrote you a letter that was supposed to be given to your adopted parents, but who knows if it was given to them. I've never kept you a secret, and anyone who knows me knows about you. I hope to meet you one day. I hope to be as much a part of your life as you will allow. I love you. So, I actually went ahead and responded to her. Because, as somebody in her birth daughter's position, I think for somebody who sounds so distraught over it and no blame there, that maybe she could use a little perspective from somebody in our position. I told her, I'm about two and a half weeks away from being 39. Both of my wonderful adopted parents have passed away recently, Dad four years ago, and Mom just this past September. I remember thinking years ago that I would feel guilty for searching for my birth parents because I didn't want my adopted ones to believe that I was doing it to replace them or because they weren't good enough. But I remember one of the last things my mom said to me before she passed away and keep in mind she had kidney failure and faded into a coma before passing a few days later was that she was sorry that she didn't know more about who my birth parents were or who my birth mother in particular was. But I somehow feel that it's more respectful to them that I waited to embark on this search for my birth parents until now. At one point I'd made peace with not knowing, but now that I've got a little boy of my own, I feel like I need to do it. I have a non identifying letter that was given over to my adopted parents with me at the time of the adoption, as well as a stack of children's books, a greeting card congratulating my parents on their new baby, and a ring. That she wanted me to wear when I got older. Just because they are 40, I don't think you should convince yourself that they don't think about you or that they're not maybe trying to find you. I just began my search four days ago, and I've got some tasks ahead before I can even get a first wave of any useful information. If I can find her, I just hope that my birth mother is as anxious to hear from me as you are of your daughter. So there it is. As I continue on my search, I'm learning a lot about other people. And I'm also finding that my story is pretty cut and dry compared to a lot of the ones I'm seeing. For example, I'm finding a lot of people who aren't adopted but are doing DNA tests for trying to do family trees or find out about their ethnic backgrounds a little bit deeper and in more detail And in the process, they're uncovering some pretty ugly family secrets. I can think of one instance where a brother and a sister both did a DNA test. And when the test came back, the brother only had half of the people connected to him as the sister did to her, but also had an entire list of people that they'd never heard of before. So essentially, for lack of a better way to put it, It seems as though the mother in this situation may have been a little unfaithful. This is a huge secret that can just be blown wide open in a family. And that I have to admit, I'm grateful that that's not something I'm worried about. I'm not connected to anybody. So everyone I find is going to be a surprise. My hope is that I'm not the secret. On the other hand, I need to go by what I originally said, which was no matter what the outcome, I want to do this. I can be tactful about it, respectful. I get it, you know, and whenever I talk about my letter and I'll read it, like I've said before, I'll save that for another episode as well. I think you'll find like I did that. It seems that my birth parents were probably pretty young. They weren't ready. I get it. You know, adoption is a fantastic option. You know, it beats the alternative. If you're not going to keep a kid, it beats the alternative. You know, and like I said in the last episode, I'm grateful for the life I've had. I don't know what it would have been had I not been adopted, so I'm not going to speculate, but I certainly have no complaints about the upbringing I got. But as I said... I think that'll probably do it for this episode, and I'll go ahead and kind of leave things where they are right now. In the next episode, I think I'd like to discuss the experience of making that first contact, doing the research, and ultimately how I came to the conclusion before even making that contact that I was probably not on the right trail. In the meantime, thank you again to all my listeners. I enjoy recording these episodes and releasing them. And your feedback, of course, is important to me. In fact, I've created a new email address for you to send questions to, if you want. That email address is pushing at gmail.com. For those of you listeners out there who are on your own journeys, don't give up. Never stop searching, no matter how discouraged you get, because ultimately you don't know if the people you're looking for are waiting to be found. But for now, that's it for this episode. I hope you'll join me in the next episode. And of course, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.